Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Equity of up to £150 million. Pounds. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 113. We just keep rolling along here on the Depot, just back from London. Uh, if you can hear it in my voice, that is just simple jet lag. That's all that is. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fight through it. We'll get through it. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, I've got a thick crew here to celebrate a win over Forest, and we're going to talk a little bit about Milan as well, the aftermath of that, kind of everything that happened. Uh, we'll start by throwing it out to Caroline. She's at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on? Not much. Um, I enjoyed USL opening weekend, and I enjoyed half of the Spurs games this weekend. Yeah, not so good for the women's team. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, that is getting a little dicier than we thought it might a couple of months ago, and uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to figure out a solution there. You're going to have to fill me in on that because I obviously was not able to watch that game this morning as I was. Uh, on a, on a little bit of an air, air airplane uh shuban is also with us at least briefly it is late for him as we're recording this on sunday so i want to get him in here he is at the real shuban shubs what's going on man i'm good i hope, uh, hope your meal from last night didn't repeat on you on the flight over it did not the 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 the, the, the lovely curry we went out for last night was delicious and uh, it was it was brilliant. It was everything everything I it, actually I was gonna say it was everything I expected. I didn't know what to expect, but it was brilliant and one of the best <laughs> meals I've had. So it was it was great, and it did not repeat. Everything everything went swimmingly. So uh, it was it was it was good stuff all around. Uh, Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on with you, man? Dude, chilling while you guys were enjoying Tottenham and the London Stadium. Kaz and I were over here dealing with the fucking shitstorm that's Tottenham just in, in normalcy, right? No, no shiny vacation to to keep us uh, distracted from the shit show that's been Tottenham. So welcome back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to be honest. It wasn't all sunshine and roses over there, uh, to be <laughs> well, honest with you. We're living in the thick of it, too. I know, I know. The, uh, the first handful of days uh, that Dakota and I were over there, it was, it was ass cold. I mean, it was... We it was snowing on our asses over there, uh, which I was not expecting in, in the middle of March in, in London. Um, it was sleet, it wasn't snow. <laughs> Man, I saw flakes, okay? It was it was cold. Uh and then by the end of the week, the weather oh. did uh warm up a little bit into the 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 mid forties Fahrenheit, which was was delightful. Um so the three of you, you know, Dakota and I talked uh after the Champions League game. We did a podcast. If you didn't get to check that out. Uh, go back in your feed for episode 112. Dakota and I shared a little bit about our experience attending uh, the Milan draw. I will note that it was a draw, not a defeat, even though Spurs go out uh, in the Champions League. But I wanted to kind of bounce around to the, the three of you and get your thoughts on Spurs bowing out of the Champions League at the round of 16. And um, and then we'll kind of carry that conversation uh, into the Forest match from Saturday. Caroline, this... This was dreadful football. I mean, I don't have to tell anyone. Uh, Wednesday was really, really brutal. And, I mean, we kind of talked about it, Dakota and I, the vibes were not good. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if it looked that dreadful uh, on television, but it did not look fun for for us there. There was zero fun in that game. I mean, I hate to say it, but there were parts of the game where I was just bored. And that's not an emotion that you want to feel around your football club at all. So I, you know, it was frustrating, especially because 
we had blown the Wolves game and the Sheffield United game right before that. So it just felt like sort of the house of cards falling down over the space of a week, basically. And, you know, I know y'all were dealing with some rough weather over there, but I was just wallowing in the angst of it, I feel like. Um, so it was not any more enjoyable from this side of the pond and the way that Conte came out in his press conference and was so, I mean, incendiary for lack of a better word, just really graded on me. And I was already like Conte out long before this point, but that was just the final nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. It felt to me like between Conte's comments and then Richarlison's comments, Everything was just kind of uh, very bleh on on Thursday and Friday, especially being over there. Um, Scotty, what, what was the vibe here for you, man? Because like, I know that the Conte thing. I mean, I, I honestly thought this thing was going to come to a head Thursday or Friday, and this there was going to be a managerial change. I and I've been the, the the last one to say that. I've kind of been the one to say no. This thing's going all the way to the end of the season but for the first time Thursday and Friday I was feeling a little bit more like this thing might might start to tip what, what were your thoughts on on the aftermath of of all of that on Wednesday and just bowing out at this stage yeah I mean I was I was extremely frustrated not even really with the loss that not, that saw us out of the competition that, that I suspected would be very tough difficult to win right but just the fucking manner in which we went out it was just it was ridiculous and I think for me I'm fine with pragmatism in football you know if I set up a team myself when I'm coaching I, I prefer more of a pragmatic approach but not in the Champions League round of 16 when you have to score a couple of goals to get through like you you, can, you can't play that way you have to find a way to manage more attack out of your team at that point and I was just very frustrated with Conte's decision it didn't seem like he cared what happened I, I, I don't and, and I want to point out asterisk here. I'm not talking about the Sanchez substitution either, because that had to happen. I mean, you can't play with one center back, right? So I understand there's a lot of distaste for the fact that we brought on a defender for an attacker when we needed a couple goals, but we, we can't play with the most lopsided shape you would have ever seen at that point, right? We have to have some semblance to what we're doing. I don't know if you take off a, a true attacker, maybe you want to play with one midfielder and roll all the dice or something, whatever. That's a greater and different conversation, but ultimately I, I removed the substitution and just say the decision-making itself beyond the substitution was, was just mind boggling for me. And I, you know, you, I think my, my vibe right now, you know, Kaz used the word wallowing and I, I, I haven't been there. And I think that's just because I've been too apathetic to like have any sort of like, you know, misery or, or, or unhappiness around, around what's happening. But I will say that I'm just absolutely fucking fed up with Conte as our manager and Kaz and I, well, you guys were, were enjoying yourselves in London, chatted quite a bit in the, in the chat about Conte and, and, you know, the fact that we were, we were very much both ready for him to not be the manager of the club anymore. So I think while her and I's emotions are a little bit different, it's like they're very much the same thing at the at the same time, right? Um, I like I said, I've been a little too apathetic to be even like upset or sad, but I am just absolutely fucking tired of 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 what I'm seeing on the field week in and week out. And again, I've said it every episode. I feel terrible for Conte. Like he's had a, a hell of a year and a year that I don't wish on anybody. And you know, life outside of football is most important and life can be hard sometimes. So I have to separate all of that. But I just think the 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 tactics that were deploying don't make sense anymore and it just makes me think like Conte is not fully in this anymore and dare I say waiting to be fired you know um so yeah it's just it's not great Shuban before you've got to uh to get your 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 head on a pillow what's your feeling about the vibe of this club from you know what we saw on Wednesday night to the days after and kind of all of the the turmoil and the, the just the tumultuous nature of everything going on in the club. And then give me give me what you saw Saturday as well, because I thought, you know, while it was better, there's still there's still a sense around this club that there is an inevitable ending with with this kind of current era. Oh, well, just to chat back, first of all, um, um, uh, what's we call it? 
I remember when we went out of the Premier League title, our first title race. It was at Stanford Bridge, the Battle of Stanford Bridge. We didn't go out. We actually went out with a fight, literally fighting on the pitch. And I remember City, I think they went out to Real Madrid and they went out with a whimper. They literally didn't show anything. And they just went out and they were knocked out. And so that was the thing. We didn't even show any fight at all on Wednesday. Just literally zero fight. Well, apart from, um, was it, which one call him? Romero, who decided to fight at the worst possible time. That was the first thing. The second thing is, sometimes I just disagree with Scott. I can understand if you're 1-0 down, I'm not saying, look, I don't care if we lose 3-0 or something that night. Let's just get an attacker on. Let's just go for it. Because I remember years ago, we were 3-1 up against, um, I think, Chelsea. Josie was in charge. And I swear to God, he went to almost like one at the back to get that last-minute equaliser, and he got it. So sometimes you have to be... You have to have the courage of your convictions. And you see it, uh, the players don't have it, the managers doesn't have it, the board don't have it. And it's endemic. There's an, I don't know, there's like, and then the fans just don't have it now because there were fans that didn't bother turning up to the game. I know a lot of fans literally just put their thing on and said, you know what, ticket exchange, I'll give away for free. Now, I know it's Forest. They're not exactly the most difficult opposition in the world, but... That is a ticket people, you know, literally of like, oh my God, I'm not going to bother turning up. So we met a buddy, we met a buddy, Sam, uh, who's um, who's now actually in Washington, but he's originally from Arizona. And he has, there were literally countless tickets on the exchange from people that just couldn't be asked to go. Yeah. And that's real. Now, now obviously, they were snapped up. Do you see, as, as Andrew saw, uh, literally got in his hand, people were at, you know, it was a packed out stadium. It was. it was always in the stadium. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing that and I actually did this and I feel stupid for doing that, but it does seem very gammonish to do this. But I was actually screaming at people walking into the Spurs store after the Milan game. I thought, what the fuck? You're going to pay, you're going <laughs> to buy some shit after that shit show we just saw? And I'm wondering why we're in the situation. And that, it made me really angry to see that. But I think you've got anger, you've got apathy. But th those, those are the two ways you don't want with a football club. You don't want that. And I said that, and I said to, um, was it, I think I said to Todd on Thursday, I think Daniel Levy is magic on my cashing us. He wants us to be in the Champions League because it gives us, gets us money, but he doesn't want us to win the Champions League. The, 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 they've run the numbers and the investment required to win the Champions League just isn't there. Because, because they look at because and look, bigger teams than us, Bayern Munich, have spent loads to win the Champions League. And I think they've what, won one in the last five years. Juventus have spent loads of money to win the Champions League, signing Ronaldo. They didn't do that. So I can understand if they think, wait a minute, if clubs like Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich uh, Barcelona, you know, Real Madrid have won the Champions League, Juve, why the hell should we do that? Let's just tread water. Well, do you know what? I don't want to tread water. I want to be on that boat and I want to be sailing these seas. I want to be daring. And we're not doing that. Daring Sorry, and doing. That's, like, that's what no, Sorry. that's what it's supposed that's to be, man. Awful. No, why would you apologize? I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about here. You know, Go ahead, Scotty. Sorry, real quick. I, I only do this because we have history, but I'm gonna concede to Shubon and say that that you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about his point, you do maybe roll with with one center back and drop the two wing backs back to form a three and get that goal and then maybe bring on another center back or somebody one true level and find a more practical way to finish out the game right so yeah i i i agree actually i'm gonna pull back my point that the sub wasn't a horrible decision because it might not have been a very good decision the, the more i sit and think about that well i mean look we we talked to dakota and i talked about it wednesday night it that there was no shape in that team when when Romero went off before Sanchez came on, but it it I get why it seemed awkward to make the sub, but there was yeah. they, they were they were going to get beat on a counter attack if they did. Yeah, exactly. that's kind of my point earlier. It was still like, but but the timing of it, yeah, away. yeah, the timing yeah. of it is bad, and the look of it just from a from an optics standpoint is 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 truly horrific. Um, and none of it was none of it was fun, but I, I guess I'm 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 also curious as to I want to talk a little bit more about this Conte stuff because some of the comments and this is I know where I can get Kaz fired up and that's kind of my goal here because honestly 
the I think the thing that pissed me off the most that he said throughout the week, you know, it wasn't the Richarlison stuff. Look, he can say Richarlison has had a shit season because he was really just agreeing with what Richarlison said himself. Um, the thing that really pissed me off is that he said that top four for Spurs is like winning the Premier League, and that is not to dare is to do. That is setting your bar so incredibly. I mean, Spurs have been in the top four, what, like five out of the last seven seasons? I mean, that is not a a manager that is daring to do anything. Yeah, the one comment that really got to me the most, I think, was his suggestion that, you know, we're we're not at a te- a level where we can be competing for things, but you have to look at the opponents that we went out to in these last two cup competitions: Sheffield United and AC Milan. Who you know he kept harping on the point that they just won the Scudetto. They are not the same team this season. Like anyone with eyes can see that. So for him to have this kind of negative attitude, I feel like it was reflected in the way he set up the team for those games, and it was reflected in the mentality that you know, had filtered into the squad for these matches. So it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. And I, I disagree with you about the Richarlison situation because I, I think it's not so much that he was just repeating what Richarlison said, but kind of making it very clear that he thinks it's all on Richarlison which I, I have to disagree with. And it was the nature of the way he delivered those comments that really bothered me and just kind of reflected how poorly his man management has been this season. Cause he, he looked almost gleeful when he pointed out that Richarlison had zero league goals. And that's just a shitty way to talk about a player that you're going to need throughout the rest of the season. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But, but he has no long-term plan to stay at the club, so I guess he really doesn't care, you know, at this point if he burns his bridges. And that's a really crappy situation for the club to be in. And like you said, Andrew, I, I can't believe that he lasted, you know, through those next couple of days after the Milan game. I really thought he was gone, and I'm kind of shocked that he's he's still here. I mean, I would say that I, I don't think Conte should be out there just putting Richarlison on blast, but I have my own issues with Richarlison and the way that he has not played well. Now, that said, I thought against Forrest, he looked really good. And part of that is some tactics that we can get into and in the way that they were really stacking the right side and playing Kane even wider than Richarlison a lot of the time. Uh, and letting Richarlison run through the middle a little, little bit more, which I think he's more comfortable with. It also opened up boatloads of space for Sun on the left side. Um, and maybe that was a tactical thing that that they figured out that they could do against Forrest specifically. Um, and maybe it's something that we'll see a little bit more over these last 11 games of the season. But it, it certainly led to Richarlison having a great game and having what I thought was a good goal. VAR seemed to think otherwise for some odd reason. Um, but Richarlison did seem to have a little bit of a fire lit under his ass. And I don't know that that was specifically because of Conte or because of something he did to himself or simply, like I said, because of the tactics, but, um, Richarlison has to play better. And hopefully that started against Forrest and hopefully these two can, you know, there was a, a really nice hug, uh, when, when Richarlison came off late in the match. Um, hopefully that's something that I don't know, can, can kind of continue to, to grow and 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 at least over these last eleven games, I'm not saying it's a long term bond there, but maybe that's something that we can see happen. Well, I think this is all it's all very nuanced because one one thing that a Mourinho or or a Conte type is going to do well is get a lot out of these, frankly, superstars. Which Richarlison starts at, at center forward for Brazil, so you really can't say he's not one of them, right? Who have that that bite or that attitude, they get a lot out of that type of guy. Right. So I think it's all very nuanced because Conte probably knew what he was doing. That's fine. My issues with Conte are more like you have, have highlighted both of you or all three of you at this point in some way, Conte's comments around the club are, are not okay for me. And I think, you know, one of my really good friends and I got into this and he's a big Spurs fan Strike Armor Pro Cubs team were constantly butting heads, but 
you know, he he had mentioned that he was okay with Conte's comments in the sense that Conte wasn't wrong about the fact that Spurs haven't handled their business correctly to put them in a place to win like now, right? We've all talked about that on the show at some point. So Conte is not wrong, but as a manager of the club, you're not the person who has any business fucking saying that. And that seems pretty obvious to me. Like, I don't, I, I don't think a fan saying that and Conte saying that have any business being compared, right? Like I don't represent the football club from the highest point to, to, to the Premier League. So, and I don't represent those players, right? They don't give a shit what I say, but when Conte says that, that's just shitty for me. And again, you guys have heard me say for a year on this show, Conte is going to burn this fucking bridge down soon enough. Right. I've called it. And I'm not saying like, look what I called out. I hate saying that, but like, talking about it for a long time he's gonna burn it down soon enough he's burning it down right now and he's it's every single fucking club the dude manages he's done exactly what he's doing right now so it's not surprising to me um and that's where i i just you know i look at those comments that he made you can't say that as a manager of the club i i said it in the group chat when pochettino was signed he gave an interview and just talked about how humbled and proud he was to be managing tottenham hotspur jose and conte's interviews they're not saying these things, but they're really centered around like, I'm here to rescue you, your sorry asses from like your situation, you know, whatever. I'm over it. I'm ready for us to, to have a manager that believes in achieving more rather than less and just asking and buying time to frankly absolve yourself from any wrongdoing when we come up short. It's just fucking bullshit, right? He's been separating himself from the results for a long time, just like Jose did. And, yeah, I've just I've had enough of it. And again, brilliant man. I love Conte. I just I wish him all the best in his personal life, but I've just really had enough. Yeah, and if he wants to separate himself from the results, I'm fine with that. I'm at the point where I'm just celebrating, you know, good performances from individual players and just waiting until the end of the season when we can have a manager who actually genuinely cares about what's happening. And that's where mm -hmm. I'm at. It was interesting to me being in the stadium both Wednesday and, and Saturday that all of the, the chants were not Conte out chants. They were, they were all just Levy out chants, which is, I think, just where we are in the world of Tottenham Hotspur at this point. But the, other, the, other, the, only, the only other thing you heard sung in, in relation to any of that was, was Mauricio Pochettino's name. Um, but you certainly didn't hear that Saturday either. So I, I don't know. It's... It is a weird dynamic at the club. I, I continue to think that as long as shit really doesn't go haywire, we're going to still see Conte see this out, and I don't agree with that. I think that uh, this club should be a little more forward-facing and know what it's doing after this season, no matter the result, top four or not. Um, but we'll just have to kind of live with with whatever they decide and and because that's, that's all we have. Um, I want to dig in cool. a little bit more. Go ahead, Scotty. No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to try to transition this. So why don't you go ahead and do that as a host? Well, and I just want to dig in more to this to this match against Forrest because I thought the team did kind of come out and play really well. And I thought, you know, there were a lot of interesting performances, I think, to shout out. Um, I thought the back line was was extremely good in this match. I thought especially and this is one of the things uh, Shuban before he he needed to duck out and go to bed, wanted us to touch on. How good has Fraser Forrester been? I mean, he he was only called on two or three times in this match, but especially with the penalty save, um, I, I thought he was really really strong in this match and organizing that back three. I, I you know I was joking with Todd in the stadium. I, you know he kept trying to point to, point out to me how good Cody Romero looked, and I said, "Look, I will praise Cody Romero if he ends up getting through this game without a booking." Well. Kudos to Cody Romero. He got through the game without a booking. I was cursing his name Wednesday night for his stupidity, and then he turned around Saturday and and had a really nice game. Um, I, I just I thought that back line looked really good. The other point is the the wingbacks. So I, I'm not sure anyone would have thought that Ben Davis was our best option at left wing back at the start of the season, but that certainly is what it has turned out to be. He once again in that role was very good and the ironic part of that is the last couple of games, we hadn't seen him in that role. They were trying to get Perisic back into the mix, um, which has not gone well. And then I thought this was the first game really where Pedro Porro looked super, super dangerous in attack. Uh, he had loads of space over there, um, partially because so much attention was being paid 
to both Kane and Richarlison up ahead of him. He was being given space. He is still a massive, massive, massive liability defensively. But when you've got Romero and you've got Hoybier and Skip to help out on that side, if need be, um, I think it's something that can work. I think there's a lot more work to be done there. But um, before we even get into the midfield and the attacking trio, what did you guys think of of the back three and the wingbacks uh, from, from this Forest match? Because I thought overall it was a really good performance from those groups. Ben Davies, I agree with you. I think I would say actually that he was probably the biggest reason for the flipping results from the week to the weekend. He was so good. And that allows Poro to play really well, too, when you have the stability of a strong partner, um, <laughs> without question. Um, I think that he deserves a ton of credit. And I really, really wish he would have played there against AC Milan. I don't know how you would have made it work, right? You would have to play Sanchez or something. But unfortunately, Paris has just been a huge liability. And I don't think it's like – I think we talked about it in the group, but I don't think it's necessarily because he's been, like, terrible or – you know, shit on the ball or anything like that. But it seems like it seems like something doesn't just click on the left side of the field when he's on the field for whatever reason. It just doesn't seem to work. So um, it's like a whole system thing more than a Perisic himself thing, I think, at this point. But, um, yeah, it really, really hurt us against AC Milan. But, but yeah, for, for the defense to respond after such, you know, a, a shitty result at the week and, and put in such a shift and allow everyone ahead of them to play such, you know, dare I say, like, free attacking football it was nice to see yeah and i think it also helped that we had eric dyer back you know I've, I've spoken about this many times this season but i think it's really evident when he's missing just how little organization we have in the back line i think he just keeps it all tied together and i mean i i have to agree with everything y'all said about davis like this is just a really good role for him and it, it's interesting that it came about because of, you know, selection constraints, people being injured. And in the AC Milan game, it was a situation where, you know, because of suspensions and whatnot, he had to be played at center back. So we couldn't see him in that position. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see him playing there more often for the rest of the season. And just to call back to Fraser Forster, he really did have a good game. And I think it could just be a case of, he needed a few of those games to kind of warm back up because he'd been out of commission for a long time, you know? So I think we're starting to see the best of him now that he's had more uh, consistent game time. And I, I think it was kind of a weak penalty that he was able to save, but he still saved it. So, you know, credit where it's due. I, I have started to see a little bit of the, maybe we can have Frazier Forster just be the starting goalkeeper next year. I just want to squash that right off the bat. This club still needs a new goalkeeper. No. Um, Agreed. It still needs to happen. So, uh, I I just I'm I'm just trying to praise the guy for giving us what he's given us over the last handful of games. I thought he's looked good and especially looked good against Forest. Um, the the midfield, this Hoybier Skip midfield, is really quite something, and it's especially Oliver Skip right now because that dude, uh, he was my man of the match. He was everywhere. He was everywhere on the pitch. And I think the thing that I've noticed about him in recent games too is that he's taking his space so well. Um, he's he's not only defending well and intercepting passes, but he's taking his space and he's not hesitating on the ball. And, and this is not a dig at Hoybier, but sometimes you'll see Hoybier or one of the center backs be on the ball and there's a little hesitancy about where to go with it next. I feel like I never see that from Skip. I feel like he's always so decisive. And if he makes a mistake, he's not compounding that mistake by then diving in uh, and making a rash challenge because of it. Skip just seems like that dude right now. And I think and hope that we're seeing a guy that we started to see before his injury come back from that injury all of a sudden and really sub really submit himself into this midfield conversation. I'm, re I'm really going to be interested um, as to what happens when and if we're no longer playing just a two man midfield with a back three because of, you know, perhaps a managerial change in the future. I would be really interested to see how he fits in a midfield, say with either Benton and Hoyer, or if there is someone else that can be brought in, that's even more creative than any of those three players that he can fit into somehow. That is something that I'm really looking forward to seeing evolve because I think with these three guys with Benton Hoyer, and skip, I think you've got the core of something that could be really special in midfield. 
thousand percent. Skip has been fantastic. We were talking about it in the chat earlier today. It's 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 his positioning. He's always in the right spot. And I'm not saying he like doesn't ever leave the middle of the field, but he's just always where the play needs him to be. Um, and and the best midfielders in the world, they like they're able to always have their body in the right positioning to see like 300 degrees of the 360 degrees that they can see of the field around them. And they always know exactly where the ball should go the second they get it. And I'm seeing that from skip, I think like technically and, you know, from like a football IQ perspective, I think he's world-class and I think he's going to have to stay healthy and he's going to have to keep growing in his confidence. And that means continuing to start. Right. But if, if I'm Conte or whoever comes in, I'm building that midfielder on Skip because PDH and Bentecourt are both fantastic in their own regards. But I've said it before, when those two have been our, our pivot, we've gotten beat up and had a really hard time progressing the ball. So, you know, I know they're both very talented, but that doesn't mean that that's our best pairing by any means, right? So I, I'm really excited to see what Skip can do next to Bentecourt. And I said that earlier, but either one of them paired next to skip, I think is going to prove to be pretty efficient if we can get the wingbacks playing well. So, um, and again, maybe this is all mood and we're in a four, two, three, one within a couple of weeks, right? Who knows what happens, but ultimately skips involved for sure. Yeah. To that point about, you know, when it's a Hoybier Benton car double pivot, we do see that the midfield tends to get kind of ran over. And I think the nice thing about skip is that he's really proactive about, gaining possession he's always thinking one step ahead whereas I think a lot of times with Pierre and with Rod he they're always they're pressing but it's more of like an opportunistic regaining of possession whereas I think Skip's footballing IQ is just that good that he he puts himself in the right position Um, and you need a player like that when we play this kind of style where there aren't a lot of players on the pitch who are working towards gaining possession and moving the ball forward. So I think that's really the best quality that he's brought to the side in recent weeks. And yeah, hope he continues to get those starts. And it's unfortunate for Pap Sar. I feel like some of his opportunities are going to dry up now, but I love Skippy, so <laughs> can't really complain. Well, but if you do get into a situation in the near future, say the start of next season, where you you're starting three midfielders every week, I do think there's a place for Papsar. I think that's the, the the part of it that that can be exciting. And I do still think, you know, this is something that I've I've been talking about over the last week or so, um, especially with just you know, the folks that that we were hanging out with in London. I, I do still feel like if that happens, if we get into a situation where it's whether it's four two three one or four three three, whatever you want to call it. I do think someone else creative is going to have to come in um, and, and someone who can pick more locks a la Christian Erickson, a la Bruno Fernandez, Kevin De Bruyne, or, you know, I know that's th- those types of, of players. Are fine. Th- yeah. Those types of players don't grow on trees. I get that. Um, but you're going to have to try to find someone of that ilk. And I don't, I don't know that there's anyone right now kind of, you know, there, there, there's no one that I can think of in, in, in the ranks at Spurs that that can step into that role other than perhaps Harry Kane, but also you kind of need him to be banging in the goals up top as well. So it's, it's tough. I don't think Dayan Kulisewski that guy. I think he's better suited out wide. I know, I know he plays a little bit like a 10 from, from the wing, but I still think he's, he's better suited out wide as well. So it will be interesting to see how this midfield um, kind of evolves over time. Like I said, especially if there's a formation change, uh, in our near future. But but this is all, of course, a moot point while Conte is still around because he will not ever play a three-man midfield unless, like, <laughs> sure won't. tied down and forced. <laughs> I, sure God, can we just dream for a second, though, and just think about – I'm I'm not kidding right now. Harry Kane behind Richarlison in a 4-2-3-1. Just – oh, it would be fantastic, man. No, I don't, no, I don't, never, I don't think it would work as well as – I don't think it would work as well as people think. And this is another it thing. I, I, I hate to keep saying this is something else we, we got into, you know, over a pint at a pub this weekend, <laughs> no, but it is. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly what this is exactly some of the stuff that that uh, Todd and Dakota and myself were, were discussing. I just I don't see number one. I don't see Harry wanting to do that, especially until he's broken, you know, 
every record that he possibly can break um, in terms of goal scoring because you're not you're you're not going to score as many from the number Dude, ten rule as you will the number tons nine rule. from there. Look at Delhi. Delhi scored like oodles of fucking goals, but he didn't position. score as many as Harry. Did. Godly amount. It was fucking close. I bet. Like, <laughs> I honestly, Harry. If it was Harry close, running if it was off. Close, Delhi wouldn't be playing in Turkey right now. Okay. <laughs> hey, that that no, that's a that's a fucking conversation that can be an entire podcast series in itself as to how that happened. Maybe for the but, summer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when uh, there's less games to talk about, but. Uh, yeah. But but what about this front three? Let's let's kind of close and wrap up this game there because honestly, Kane was brilliant. Richarlison, like I kind of alluded to earlier, it felt like there was a fire lit under his ass. And then Sonny, Sonny getting that goal, I thought was not only just a, an important moment, but the fact that he had so much damn space over there. It felt like on the wings, it was either Son or Poro that had all the space in the world, and that was really really I, there was something tactically going on with that front three and like i said from my vantage point deep in the corner in the south stand it looked like it was simply kane playing out wider than richarlison even and to your point scotty like maybe richarlison playing a little bit more through the middle and kane dropping off into almost that kulisevsky role and then cutting in was was what was giving poro the space and then you know drawing so much defense over to give sun the space on the left side um, I, it, it sounds well, simplistic, think real quick. It sounds simplistic, Sorry, but Andrew. that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're right, and I, I think, I think it's time to say that not finding a way to get Richarlison in the middle of the field is stupid. Like, look at his finish on the offsides goal. That is just fucking world class. That finish. He starts at center forward for Brazil, right? Like, this is top three to five mega countries in the world, right? When we're talking international setups, he is fucking awesome. And we need to find a way to get him in the middle of the field. I do, And not at Harry Kane's expense ever. No one, no one, no one gets into position at Harry Kane's expense, but that's on Conte again. I love saying it's not my fucking job to figure out how to make that happen. Right. But Richarlison and Kane probably need to both be on the field together somehow at all times. Right. For us to start scoring more goals. So. I agree with Scott. This is a World Cup caliber striker who we've been trying to play not as a striker, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, and, you know, from a from a rest perspective, too, for Kane, I just don't understand why we haven't, you know, done it that way more often. Like, we don't want to run Kane into the ground again. I know he's been better in the past couple of seasons injury-wise, but it's like, why risk it when you have this player like Richarlison who can, you know, he's not going to function exactly the same way as Harry Kane does at striker, but it's in a way that's almost a good thing for a team like us who can become quite predictable playing the Conte way, you know, just to do something to switch it up, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. I do think it will become a little bit easier to play a preferred lineup going forward, considering there's really only one game a week. Uh, going forward I think there's a couple of instances if I look at the fixture list uh, where Spurs are going to have a midweek game but it, they're they're going to be few and far between the rest of the way here uh, with only the Premier League left on the schedule uh, now that Champions League is done and and obviously all, the cups are all gone um, so yeah it's Southampton next week uh, followed by an international break and then it's like Monday Saturday Saturday Sunday there's that United game is really the only midweek game on a Thursday uh, and it comes sandwiched between two Sunday games. So um, other than that, it's, it's pretty much, you know, one match a week, which I, like I said, I think will make it a little bit easier to stomach playing a more preferred 11 and having a little bit less rotation, but um, you do still have to be conscious of those kinds of things uh, going forward. You know, that's that's kind of the goal too now it's you've got to just focus on that top four and as we look at it spurs do still sit in the fourth position they're four points clear of newcastle who have two games in hand on them um and then after liverpool uh that was actually a really cool moment too is watching liverpool lose uh to bournemouth yesterday in the stadium with with a bunch of fans before the spurs match uh so liverpool are now six points six points back of Spurs with only the one game in hand. So Spurs do control their own destiny to finish ahead of Liverpool. You'll still need a little bit of help from Newcastle. But um, and then if you if you look above you, you've only got two points <laughs> to catch United, who do also have a game in hand. But 
Um, the, the roles are very reversed from last year with games in hand FC. That was like, I feel like what we had nicknamed Tottenham last year and it worked out in their favor. So uh, we'll have to see if, you know, being on the other end of that spectrum can work out in their favor this season for uh, making that top four, but it still is very much uh, all on the table for them. And uh, it starts with a trip to Southampton next Saturday, March 18th. So that should be lots and lots of fun. Well, you know, when you're talking about what we have left to play for and top four and all that, I'm, I felt it was worth sharing. I don't think this is necessarily a point that has to be seen as like correct. Right. But I'm sure a lot of fans feel this way. I'm, I'm pretty dejected, like thinking that what we have left is top a top four battle. I'm pretty exhausted by it. And again, I'm not saying that anyone should be, but I'm very much exhausted by like the continued top four battle every year. Um, now, I'm not expecting us to win the league overnight. I'm not expecting us to win the, the Champions League. I think a lot of times those are the two trophies we want so badly as Spurs fans. And that's kind of going like zero to 100, right, without finding your feet along the way. And so you know, the domestic trophies are becoming more important to me than, than, than they have been in past. And I think, you know, some of my reasons for, for feeling like the league and the champions league should be prioritized a little more so than a domestic cup say would be, would be the financial stability that we were looking for as a club to, to, to become a little more competitive. Now, I think we're there. Um, again, I don't think we need to, we, we need to win the premier league for me to not be, you know, angry with the club or anything we're not there yet either but along the way some domestic trophies i think are going to be what help us build to, to getting there right and so i really want i really want us to get top four of course but whatever we do like even if we don't get top four i need us to 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 bring someone in and have a plan and really start like building the proper way you know and maybe go for an fa cup and really really dare in a couple of these domestic competitions, win one of them, give the team an understanding of what that looks like, and then continue to invest in that same manager as Arsenal have done, say, and go after the Premier League. Arsenal is going to win the Premier League, and they are not the most talented team in this league. I assure you of that, like without question. There are teams with much more talent than Arsenal. And they're going to win the league and it's because they've had a fucking plan and they've been bantered through it and are teta out. And like, you know, when we were top of the table after three games under Nuno, they were like, we need to sack our teta and they didn't. Right. And they're going to fucking win the league again. I keep saying it and I'm over like being like, oh, I can't say it. Arsenal's going to win the league and we need to look at what they're doing and be humbled by it and, and have a plan. Um, and it sucks to say that, right, because three years ago, we were stomping all over them. If you want to look at where the two clubs were. So we fucked up. They didn't. We need to learn from it. And we need to have a fucking plan. I don't really even care if we get top four. I'd love for us to. Right. But I'm not going to sit here on pins and needles the rest of the season and watch Premier League matches. If we lose, I'm going to go about my day. If we win, I'm going to go about my day. Whatever happens, happens. Because we don't have a fucking plan right now. And I just don't give a shit until the club shows that it has a plan. Um Obviously, not getting knocked out of those two cups. Like, I wouldn't say they beat me up because, again, I've been pretty apathetic, but it was the first time where I was like, what the fuck are, are we doing, man? Like, this is just stupid. I haven't felt that way in a while, at least. So, um, I again, rant over, but please, we need to put some form of a plan and, and, and a way forward together, or, or we're going to continue to find ourselves in this same situation. Yeah, I a plan would be nice. <laughs> I mean, you can't really – you can't really dare to do unless you have a plan to do so. Uh, I, I totally, I totally agree with you, Scotty. Um, speaking of a plan, does Caroline, does the women's team have a plan to not get relegated this season? Cause it's starting to starting to get a little scary at this point. Uh, another, another L uh, for, for the uh. women losing to Liverpool uh, today two one. again, I did not see this match. Uh, I was on a, an airplane uh, coming back here to the States, but uh, another lead, and another lead lost, and it has now been uh, too many days since Spurs last won in the league. It has been since October 30th against Brighton, that that brilliant 8-0 victory. Uh, but it has been far, far too long. And Spurs, you know, we kind of – you. I remember you and I joking about this. It felt like in January, like, yeah, you know, we'll be okay. It's going to be a mid-table finish. But 
um, all of a sudden Spurs find themselves two points out of the out of the drop zone, uh, just two points ahead of Leicester. Brighton have climbed out of there, uh, who who were sitting down there for a while, and um, all of a sudden it's getting a little dicey, is it not? It's extremely dicey, and you know I I've said all season long, and I still believe that we've had a lot of different factors go against us. But at the same time, the simple truth is that the team is not showing the proper medal in these games that should be winnable. Um, You know, just to have so many occasions, even just in this calendar year where we've gone ahead and then gone on to lose because we just are so defensively frail this season. It's extremely frustrating. And, you know, I, I'm starting to realize that there are some players in the squad who some of them new transfers this season who are, you know, meant to be kind of veterans of the league, the experienced older heads who are going to, you know, help the younger players understand how to have that winning mentality and just get results. And we haven't seen that. I feel like there are quite a few players who I don't necessarily want to name, but I think we, we can probably all think of them who are not carrying their weight and it's, you know, it's frustrating. And the one positive I can take from the last few weeks is that we are finally scoring goals more regularly. Um, I mean, today we even saw Rosella Ayan score an awesome goal from open play, which is not something that I normally get to say. Um, But otherwise, you know, it's, it's just not good enough if we're not pairing the goal scoring with that, defense that we had last season yeah i go ahead Scott. i did get a chance to watch this morning I, well i came in at the 23rd so i did miss the goal unfortunately live but um i think what i saw more than anything was a team that wasn't really able to take control of a match until probably like the 75th minute right caroline um and then we really started to to, to imprint ourselves on, on Liverpool, but it was just kind of too little, too late. So you, you know, you chalked it up to inexperience, right? Um, not inexperience, but being a little newer to the Super League, right? And I think those types of types of games can sort themselves out over time, but it would certainly be nice if it was sooner rather than later because it just it, it just was a classic example of a team that couldn't find a way to get any get you know any sort of grip on a match until it was too late. Yeah, and I think if this was any other club, we could probably say that Rian's getting sacked in the morning because this is nine losses in the league in a row. And for any team, that's unacceptable. And I think over the past few weeks, I've become more frustrated with her personally just because Mm -hmm. of selection issues, in-game management, you know, those things that the manager has the ability to really make a difference with. I feel like she's just not been doing correctly and there's also this sense that you know we have a few younger players who I think their development is starting to be affected by it as well like specifically thinking of Asmita Ale it's it's kind of baffling to me that she's not been getting the minutes when she's someone who I think is one of the better players in the squad in terms of her passing ability her her vision for the game so it's like, I just don't understand what we're doing anymore. And I hate that we're at this point. Yeah. I mean, nine losses in a row. If you can, if you don't, if you don't make some sort of change moving forward, you're good chance you end up getting relegated right at that point with nine losses in a row. You don't think it gets better. I mean, you know. And we play Lester next. So this is like do or die essentially at this point. Yeah, and, so it's, it? and, it's, and it's a midweek match Wednesday, um, and that is really, really big because you don't. You, I mean, you lose that, you 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 are bottom, and you are in in the drop zone. So it's uh, it's a a must win. I I I did not realize it had been nine straight. I know that the club started winning three of its first five, but yeah, since then, uh, it it's it's nine straight defeats, and they have three wins against eleven defeats on the season and that's not going to get the job done. So um, no better time than now to turn it around. Like you said, well, they, this week. Yeah. Is it like, then is it safe to say Caroline that if they don't, if they don't sack the manager, then they're like maybe questioning 
that they may get relegated and like planning around that and what it could look like for the future of the club. I hate that if that if that's even a thing, right? But you with nine losses in a row, you start to think, why aren't they making a change? Is there some actual reason for that? You know, that's because like you said, and she she's probably sacked anywhere else in in the women's super league setup. I I can't see any any manager in the Premier League lasting after nine straight losses in a row in the league, maybe, but I doubt it. Yeah, the only thing I can think of really as to why she hasn't been fired yet is that she just signed a new contract last season. So mm-hmm. it could be a matter of it's just too expensive. Expensive, yeah. Um, which, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just we're in the situation now where it's like things can get – I mean, they already have gone stale, I would say. Yeah. But it could get even worse if we get relegated. And the championship is a really tough league to get out of. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's, I, I was thinking about it today and ha- about halfway through the season, I was thinking, you know, we had all this optimism at the start of the year, the summer transfers, I wasn't like completely sold on, but I, I understood the logic behind most of them. And it just hasn't played out the way we thought it would. And now we're losing all of the momentum that we had from last season with that, you know, club best fifth place finish. And I mean, we're just going backwards. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. Time to turn around Wednesday. If you don't turn around by Wednesday, could be uh, could be a long haul forward. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, before we get out of here, I do need to take a moment and give a couple shout outs. Uh, after the week that that myself, Dakota, and Todd just had. Um, want to shout out Guy with the club for his hospitality. Uh, that was brilliant and uh, much appreciated. Uh, want to shout out Zach from Central California, who we ran into on the concourse along with his wife uh, in the South Stand and recognized the three of us, which was a little bit of a mindfuck, to be per- completely honest. Uh, got to sit and chat with him for 10 or 15 minutes uh, and and share some share some stories with him. Uh, and then I want to shout out Jen as well. Uh, Jen was al- alongside us throughout this whole thing and uh, played photographer over the last few days and got some really great shots of, of myself and Todd and Dakota. Um, and, you know, we all got to experience the skywalk together and uh, and have a ball and, and you know, have good times uh, and, and share some camaraderie. So just a few shout outs as we uh, as we wrap it up here. Uh, be sure to follow us at Tottenham Depot to see all the content from the last week. And we'll be, I'm sure, trickling out more as it comes. Uh, and uh, be sure to uh, reach out on Twitter at Tottenham Depot as well, Instagram, and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Be sure to share the program with all your Spurs-loving friends as well. Uh, for Scott, who is at DSM Spurs, Shuban at The Real Shuban, Caroline is at CG Stefko, and I am at A Stetka. We will talk to you next week on another edition of the Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club And you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs.